Bill Buckley here. I want to invite you to join me this summer on a trip of a lifetime to both Israel and Jordan. I'm teaming up again with Pastor Ralph Yankee Arnold for this life-changing pilgrimage. Come see the biblical sites you've read about. Jerusalem, Mount of Olives, Sea of Galilee, Jericho, Jordan River, Nazareth, Bethlehem, Petra, and so much more. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A $700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, go to BillBunkley.com. That's BillBunkley.com, BillBunkley.com, or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. to die that he might give eternal life that I might live and turn my darkness Turn in your Bible to the book of 2 Peter chapter 2. Now this is a very, very interesting portion of Scripture. i uh, got a few complicated statements in here, and it's hard to know, well, now, who is this talking to? And so um, I want you to look here, first of all, in verse 22. Verse 22, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 22. But as it happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now, I wonder who that's talking to. Is that to the, the pastor, the elders, the deacons, the people in the church? Well, it'd be interesting, and um, you might be surprised. Second Peter chapter 2 is talking about the believers, the Hebrew Christians mainly, but it can be applicable to all of us. R- remember, he's warning them about false teachers. He refers to the Old Testament, how that there were false prophets among them. And those false prophets, those false teachers, well, it causes God's people to go astray. Now, there's no sense warning us about false teachers if false teachers don't have some effect. If it doesn't matter who you listen to, why warn us? He's warning us because it will make a difference. Uh, look there in chapter 3. In chapter 3, and look there in verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before. So he's just reminding them. Beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked. Or, in other words, you listen to the philosophy of today. You listen to the wisdom of the world. You listen to the false teachers. They're going to lead you astray. And so he says here, you'll fall from your own steadfastness. So there is an impact that can be made into a Christian's life by listening to the wrong things. You say, well, it doesn't really make any difference. Yes, it does. You will live what you really believe. 
It says in verse 18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All right, now go back there to chapter 2. And let's start there in verse 9. In verse 9, when it says the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation, He can do it several ways. He can literally take you out of the world, and that might be through the rapture. He can take the evil away from you, like He did during the flood. But He also can deliver you from the error of the wicked, the temptations of the world, by the truth that is embedded in your mind. Because God wants to lead you in the right way, and there is an evil way, the wrong way, the Balaam's way. We'll look at that in just a second. But see in verse 9, he said, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So understand that the lost man is going to be punished. God knows how to do that. So I don't try to figure out how to do God's job. I have enough trying to figure out how to do mine. Let God do what God does, and let me do what God wants me to do. So he says, they're going to be punished, but look in verse 10. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness, and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. In other words, they lose total respect for authority. And that authority sometimes comes out to be God. And if they have no respect for God, then they're not going to have none for the pastor. They're not going to have none for the Bible. They're not going to have none for you. And God describes them as brute beast, uh, like an animal. And so the judgment is going to be very, very severe. But God has just given us some illustrations on how he, he chastened those that rebelled against him. Uh, he took care of the angels that sinned. He took care of those during the time of Noah, the flood. Also, Sodom and Gomorrah, he took care of them. He says, now God knows how to do it. Now, he didn't do the same thing in every case. No more than he does with others. But now, whatever the lost people and the false prophets can do, and whatever they think, their philosophy of life, if you listen to them, you're going to do and act and be the same as the false teachers. Now, does that affect your salvation? Now, once you trusted Christ as your Savior, you are His child. You are going to heaven when you die. But you see... God warns us about listening to false teachers because false teachers affect how we live. So he says in verse 10, But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness despise government, and this is what they do, and this is not what God wants you and I to do. But if you listen to them, you won't be able to tell a, a Christian from a lost person by looking at their life. They probably couldn't tell there was much difference in um, Lot than some of the people in the town, nor his daughters. It's hard to tell. But look at what he says in verse 11. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Now, whether or not this verse goes back to the time when there were those uh, uh, men who came to see Lot, and even the, the men of the city, and the young men of the city 
even after they had been struck blind, still was groping around trying to find these two angels that came. But they didn't bring a real accusation against them. Now, God worked. But see, there's a, a place where even the angels were debating over where the body of Moses was. And uh, the devil wanted to know where his body was. But, you know, God didn't tell anybody. You and I are supposed to be careful about what we believe, what we listen to. Because false teachers will affect the way you think. And if it affects the way you think, it's going to affect the way you live. So he says in verse 12, now get this. Now I didn't write this, but look how strong this is. He said, but these as a natural brute beast made to be taken and destroyed. Did you know that there is verses in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that if a person was guilty of being a homosexual, a lesbian, or a, what we call a queer, whatever, did you know that God says that they were supposed to be killed? No, I didn't make that up. I mean, that's what God said. God says this is not going to be tolerated in the land. Isn't it a shame that today we tolerate everything? Because we want to be politically correct. We don't want to say anything that would offend anybody. Everybody's got their rights. I always thought rights were right. Not wrong. If it's wrong, it ain't right. Right? Y'all get that? Every once in a while, jewels just fly out of the place. You know it's... But he says in, in verse 12, These are natural beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Speak evil of the things they understand. In other words, they don't understand what they're... I think there's a whole bunch of people like that, like that in government. They ain't got a clue what's going on. They don't know how to deal with things. Uh, they had this whole big old education bill that just came up, and then uh, everybody was for it, and then they was against it, and then uh, Chris vetoed it. And now there's consequences to that. And... Um, well, where, where would you come down on something like that, Yankee? Well, let me just give you my personal opinion. This is not the church position. It's just Yankee's opinion. Personally, I believe that the parents are responsible for the education of the children. I do not believe it is the responsibility of government. When it becomes the responsibility of government, this is what you're going to get. Because now they've got to determine what all the teachers teach. And then they can say whether or not they can teach them about God or not about God. Now, in Colorado, I had, because I had children, and I did not like what they were being taught in the public school. So I go down to the public school, and they had a little short fat fellow that was behind the counter, and he was the principal of the school. And he said that my kids had to go to the gym class, and they had to dance. And so I don't believe that as a Christian, that I need to have that, and I don't want that talk to my kids. And even though when I was lost, yeah, I could jitterbug with the best. But I'm changed. I'm Yankee now. I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I don't believe it's a good thing, and I don't want my kids to learn it. That's not why I sent them to school. So anyway, I told the guy behind the counter, I says, sir, I says, my kids are not going to be dancing. He says, um, yes, they will. I says, no, they won't. He says, well, uh, they should. I mean, this is the school, and uh, this is part of the curriculum. And I says, sir, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. And I was about ready to crawl over that counter, and I was going to give him what they call a Hawaiian punch. I was angry. I said, this is my kids, and I'll say what my kids get and don't get. Well, anyway, we had no small disputation between us. So I uh, 
thought, I'm going to start my own school. <laughs> he said, you start a whole school just for, cut you? Yeah, for my kids. So anyway, we had 19 kids of the people in the church, and we didn't have any teachers, didn't have a principal. So we decided we're going to start a school for our own kids. All we had little kids. And so um, my two older kids were, it was almost too late to get them, but I still had another one that was only about four years old, five years old. So we started a school. Half of us, we, we didn't have any money, and, and half the teachers didn't know how to teach. They taught Sunday school, been to Bible school, and they were teaching Sunday school. And I says, I'm more interested in the godliness and the character of the teachers and that they know how to read and write and they can teach the kids. So we started us a school. And I sent them to Pensacola up here to try to get some training before we started. They called me up on the phone and says, Yankee, we have to have a principal. I says, why? They said, well, you've got to have somebody that knows what's going on. I said, I'll get you a principal. Don't worry about it. Y'all just finish out the week because they were ready to come home. They wouldn't have a principal. So anyway, they finished out the week. And I tried to figure, now, where am I going to get me a principal? So somebody told me about this here lady. So I talked to this lady, and she, um, she said, uh, she came out. I met with her, and she said, I'd love to be the principal. She had been an assistant principal before. And she was a Christian, a godly woman. Boy, was she smart. So I t- called her back. I said, we got us a principal. Anyway, they finished that week. They came back, and we started a school. And we only had a, 19 kids total. One of those kids was a kid named Greg Steer. In just about, it was five years from the time we started, in five years, now we had over 320 kids in our Christian school. And our kids, we could put them up against anybody's kid. Our kids were a couple grades above in the public school. We educated them for one-third the cost of what they could educate them in the public schools. So they got to the place where they wanted, on the Board of Education, they had a candidate at large, an opening, where they wanted somebody to represent the whole state of Colorado. So I thought, I could do that. So I decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run for the State Board of Education. I think I know as much about education as they do. <laughs> so I made up a little flyer. It cost $23, made up a little thing, and, you know, vote for Arnold, you know, State Board of Education, candidate at large. And I had never been to one of these you know, state conventions and stuff. <laughs> so now I as a candidate. So uh, I went there, and I didn't know I was going to have to speak. But all the candidates had to get up there in front of about 3,000 of all these delegates from all over the state. And so I got introduced. I walked out there. Man, this is a lot of people. It's a good thing I had been in front of a church before. And anyway, I began to talk. And I told them why I thought I could do a better job than the people that were running our school system. And I says, number one, I have a school. And I says, when we want to talk about the Lord, we talk about the Lord. And when I want to read the Bible, we can read the Bible. And when we want to pray with the children, we can pray with the children. I said, all of my teachers are teachers of character. They love the Lord, and they love the kids. And they can teach them how to read, and they can teach them how to write. But they can teach them a whole lot more that they can't teach them in the public school. We can teach them what's right, and we can teach them what's wrong. 
I says, and they can't do that in a public school. And I says, and we can do it for a third of the cost of what they can do it for. I said, so I might know something they don't know. Did you know in 15 minutes speech, I got about four or five standing ovations of 3,000 people. It was interesting. I didn't win. <laughs> they came out in the newspapers. I am not their candidate. I mean, the Rocky Mountain News, the Denver Post came out with Arnold and said all kinds of things about me. I had never even met with him or talked to him, but it didn't matter where I went, I would be interviewed for the television, for radio, newspaper. Man, I went all over the state. And I thought, if I didn't know the Bible, I'd have been a politician. I'd have been one of those guys you'd probably be trying to kick out of Washington. But I believe that there's so much that a Christian has that makes him wiser than those that don't know the Lord. I think you know more and can do more. But anyway, he says, to understand what you are taught does make a difference on how you live. You see, the reason that they're doing all this crazy stuff like in Washington and all that, because they're not educated. They don't know the truth. They don't even understand the principles of finances. They don't understand it. They don't understand education. They don't know how to teach the kids to read and write. Do you know we got a lot of kids coming out of school today and they don't know how to read? Because there's teachers that don't know how to teach. It's more about trying to get everybody to group think. It doesn't teach them how to think. It, they tell them what to think. I'm for teaching the kid how to think. Giving them the tools where they can reason and relate and record this information that they're able to gather. So anyway... I don't want to get sidetracked, so I better stay with this here. Look in verse 13. Look in verse 13. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. In other words, you do wrong, you earn something. In one place, it'll talk about the wages of Balaam. In other words, there's wages that you get because of evil doing, and there's rewards that you get on top of that. See, God wants us to serve Him, but God also is going to reward us if we do right. But what about people who do wrong? God says, you're going to get your reward too. And so he says here, And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. You see, there was a time when they do it at night. Now they're bold and they'll do it in our streets. They'll do it on our news. And there's people who don't care what you think about it. They're very bold and blatant and could care less about what do you think? Because, you see, they done got to the place where they have no fear of God. They don't fear Christians. They don't fear anything or anybody. They can do whatever they want to do, and their conscience doesn't bother them. Now, if you let people like that educate you, you're going to think the way they think. And if you think the way they think, you're going to want to live the way they live. All this is written in here for a reason. So that you and I don't fall, don't stumble. Now see there in Second Peter, in chapter 1, uh, look what he says here. In verse 10, Wherefore the rather brethren, brethren, we're talking to believers, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. But he's talking about the things that you add to your faith in the first chapter. Add to your faith. Become strong enough so that you don't fall. And then what we just read over there in chapter 3, that 
you're going to fall into error if you listen to those people who tell you wrong. So he says, don't do that. Remember, uh, Paul made the statement in the book of Ephesians that he wants to present us to the Lord without spot and blemish. He said, this is how I want to do it. In other words, he said, like, I want you not only to know the Lord as your Savior, but I want you to live like a virgin concerning the things of the world, that you might be that chaste virgin that he presents to the Lord in Corinthians, without spot, without blemish, without, you know, the filthiness of the world. I guess he wants God's people to live a holy, godly life. Now, we'll go to heaven, but there might be uh, some problems. Uh, not with getting there, but and not with staying there, but with the well done, thou good and faithful servant, and not getting the rewards that you would have liked to have had. Look what he says here in the last part of verse 13. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. In other words, they make merchandise of you, as it says over there in uh, verse 3, the same chapter. In other words, they use you to get what they want. Uh, that's why you have to watch the uh, health and wealth preachers on, the, you know, the, the gospel of uh, health and wealth. See, all they're trying to do is they uh, use the replacement theology uh, of taking all the blessings that went to Israel, and they're trying to apply all of those to the church. And so they go back there to the Old Testament and say, well, see, all these blessings, it's about you do this, and you're going to prosper and get wealth and blah, blah, blah. And, well, wait a minute, that, that's to Israel. The Lord says to the church, which is what we are, that he hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. See, Israel on the earth, and you and I will get our blessings, spiritual blessings in heaven. So we are to have spiritual blessings, and they are to have the physical blessings, and they two are not the same. And if you don't understand it, then you'll have some... Hey, send me $10, and there's $100 going to be in your mailbox tomorrow. And if you're living right, and if you love the Lord, you don't have to worry about getting sick. And then they have their healing line. Come on down here. Put the hand on Be healed! No. God's will may be that you are sick. Go back and try to figure out Job with that philosophy. God took away all of his wealth, and he hadn't done anything wrong. God took away his health, and he hadn't done anything wrong. No, that, that turkey won't fly. Look, look what he says here in verse 14. Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin. Cannot cease from sin. Beguiling, and underline these two words, unstable souls. In other words, this is what false teachers do. They take those who are not stable, that are not strong in the Lord, and they want to make merchandise out of you. They want to use you, get you. You see, they can't win you to the Lord. So they try to take those who have an interest in the things of God and get you sidetracked into whatever. And next thing you know, you know, say, for example, you trust the Lord. I listened to Hank Lindstrom on the radio, or you came out to church to trust the Lord. But you don't get involved, and you don't learn the Word of God. You'd be surprised how many churches around here that do not have a clear gospel that have been 
fed into by people that ain't led the Lord. And I bet you the churches around here has got people that have heard Hank and trust the Lord over all these years, 40 years. I bet you can probably find somebody in every one of them. False churches, but they trusted Christ as Savior because they heard a clear gospel message. But they didn't get grounded because they didn't keep listening or come out and get out of those things that they should have gotten out of. So he says here, they have a tasty bait, but a concealed hook. You know, that's what you do when you go fishing. You have a tasty bait, but a concealed hook. They try to lure you with something that you really desire. Study the word. You'll have somebody like a JW come to the door. And ma'am, do you have a fireplace? Well, yes, we do. Ma'am, would you take and throw your children in the fire? Little children? Oh, no. Neither would God. Can we come in and have a Bible study with you? Well, sure, come right on in. See, they had a tasty little bait, but it's got a hook to it. They got another agenda. And so, because they don't believe in hell, it would be easy to try to convince people that there's no hell. Whew, boy, I feel better already. <laughs> there's no hell. <laughs> but there is a hell. And so you have people that will try to twist things, and you've got to be careful. Or if, you, uh, if you're sick, you must have done something wrong. You didn't have enough faith. But now before we demonstrate how much faith you have, we're going to take up an offering. And we've got to have some seed money. You know, seed money, seed faith. In other words, you've got to plant before you have anything grow. So how much faith do you have? How much money do you have? When I was at Florida Bible College, me and a few students decided to go to this healing meeting. <laughs> so we went in, we sat back here in the back. We sat there and we watched the shenanigans going on. Boy, I do have to admit, I love their singing. They can sing. I mean, the piano was just a jumping and the song leader was just a going. And I mean, they had the people right there in the palm of their hand. And they were, woo, they were getting with it. Everybody's having a good time. So we stood up there and we just kind of watched and observed. But of course, everybody knows that we're not part of the group. Because we look different. But we, we weren't doing what they were doing. So anyway, after a while, he says... We're going to have some healing here tonight. And talks about all the different kind of people are going to be healed. He says, first of all, if you have a, I think it was a he started at a hundred dollars. If you had a hundred dollar bill, I want you to, everybody had to stand. Come on down here. And so they came down. You don't have a hundred dollars, but you've got 50. And he went down every increment. And finally got down. You don't have any dollars at all, but all you got is a little change in your pocket. But that's all you want to do. It only takes a little bit of seed faith. Come on down. And so after a while, everybody was down there and gave the money. And everybody was down there. And he says, if you believe that God's going to do a miracle tonight, you come on down here. So after a while, everybody was down there, except about five people sitting back here in the back. We're all sitting back there watching the show. Oh, that's all it was. It's a show. They're entertaining. They were not concerned about where anybody spent eternity. It was about how can we get the money out of the people. And I, I felt sorry for all the people who don't know the truth to recognize a shyster when he's up there. So we sitting back there. And finally he got up here and says, if there's no miracles done here tonight, it's not because of you. 
because there's people back here because of their unbelief. Their unbelief. Now, he's not got their money. But now, he may not be able to do a miracle because five people back there who didn't believe that what he was doing, and he blamed the lack of healing on five people that didn't believe instead of all the people who gave the money and did believe. I wanted to go down there and just pop him a good one. I didn't. I was young and foolish. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, He would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me